June 21st general meeting of the San Francisco Police Commission. Good evening, the chair has called the meeting to order. If you could please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. Vice President Carter Overson, if I could take roll. Please. Commissioner Walker. Present. Commissioner Benedicto is excused. Commissioner Yanez. Present. Commissioner Byrne. Here. Commissioner Yee is excused. Uh, President Elias is in route. Uh, Vice President Carter Oberstone, you have a quorum. Also here tonight, we have Chief Scott from the San Francisco Police Department and Executive Director Paul Henderson from the Department of Police Accountability. Award winning. Award winning. Could you please call item number one, Sergeant? Line item one, weekly officer recognition certificate. Presentation of an officer who has gone above and beyond in the performance of their duties. Officer Michael Ferrisay, star number 1900 from Terravel Station. Good evening, commissioners, Chief Scott, Executive Director Henderson. I'm Lieutenant Ray Cruz, and I'm the acting captain of Terravel Station. First off, I would like to give, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today to present Officer Mike Ferrisi, the Police Officer Weekly Recognition Award. Officer Ferrisi is a 15-year veteran of the department and is currently assigned to the Terrell Street Crimes Unit, which is a plainclothes investigative team that works in an undercover capacity. The unit routinely investigates complex incidents within the Terrell District and collaborates with other plainclothes and investigative units as part of a larger mission to reduce the rise of cr criminal activity. In addition to Officer Ferrisi's duties as a plainclothes officer, he volunteers for patrol assignments on a weekly basis to assist his fellow uniformed officers. In his tenure, Officer Ferrisi has participated in over 100 search warrants, authored 100, hundreds of arrest warrants, and has been a lead investigator in a dozen of complex investigations. One example of these investigations occurred in October of 2022. A series of gas station robberies involving a firearm occurred in San Francisco and in Daly City. Officer Ferrisi was working when one of the robberies occurred and he began to actively investigate the incident. Officer Ferrisi located video surveillance which led him to identify the vehicle involved in the robberies as a reported stolen vehicle. Through a series of investigative steps, Officer Ferrisi was able to locate the owner and along with the owner's um, aid, he was able to track the vehicle and its whereabouts. Officer Ferrisi and the Street Crimes Unit team were able to locate the vehicle pulling into another gas station in San Francisco. To prevent another robbery from occurring, officers on scene with the assistance of the tactical unit took the robbery suspect into custody prior to him entering the gas station. Officers recovered a firearm on the suspect and were able to link him to several armed robberies throughout the Bay Area. Officer Ferris's de determination and investigative work led to the apprehension of an armed suspect that was responsible for the, uh, the series. This is just one example of Officer Ferris's guardian mindset and dedication and commitment to keeping the citizens of the city safe. I have personally known Officer Ferris since he first trained at Baby Station back in 2008. I was one of his FTO sergeants, and I can stand here today saying I remember him as being one of my best recruits. I'm proud of all the work he has done in serving the community as a patrol officer and a plainclothes officer. With that said, I would like to present Officer Mike Ferrisi as Terrell Station Selection for the Weekly Officer Recognition Award.
you like to say some words? Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone who's trained me, been a part of our growing career. Uh, she gave me, put me on plain clothes assignment initially. Uh, also, everyone I work with, Southern uh, plain clothes unit, <coughs> uh, Southern Central, Northern Mission, and uh, my own team, my sergeant, uh, everyone there, and then uh, my family. Hey, girls. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the word. Oh, and please give us our spikes back. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Give you what? Give you, give you your what back? Spike strips. Oh, spike strips. <laughs> I thought you said spice rack. I was like, what? Spice rack? <laughs> that too. Okay, I'll just read the award. Uh, the San Francisco Police Department recognizes Officer Michael Ferrisi, Terrible Station, the Officer of the Week. In recognition of your dedication and professionalism demonstrated through outstanding community policing practices and inspiring greatness by exemplifying the ideals of police officers as guardians of our community, such an example of dedication is worth, worthy of the highest esteem by the City and County of San Francisco and the San Francisco Police Department, presented on the 21st of June, 2003, and signed by William Scott. Uh, yes, Chief, please. Uh, thank you, uh, President Elias. I just wanted to thank Officer Farizi. So I understand how difficult the job is, and you all, particularly Terrell TNT, you all, you all do some outstanding work. Um, robberies are up for the year, and a lot of that is due to a very, in my opinion, small population of people that have you know, plagued our city, and, and this is the example of what we need to do to make that situation better. So I thank you for your work. Uh, you and your partners, so we appreciate it. Commissioner Walker. Um, congratulations. Thank you very much for your service. You have been, I think, all over town, so um, I know who to call when I have a question. <laughs> I think you're supposed to ask <laughs> If it's not you. <laughs> what's your favorite station? Yeah. What is your favorite station? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, okay. I, I like it. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Current one, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For any member of the public that would like to make public comment regarding line item one, please approach the podium. It's, it's good. <laughs> I mean, if the ambience was, I mean, I know it's real. You are honest with your emotions and the feelings. It's amazing. Yeah. I wish we didn't have so many problems in town. We have to solve these problems. It's deep. It's very deep. San Francisco is amazing. I mean, we are, we're going to have the solutions. We're going to find solutions to solve them. It's very deep, but. And that is the end of public comment. Line item two, general public comment. At this time, the public is now welcome to address the commission for up to two minutes on items that do not appear on tonight's agenda, but are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the police commission. Under police commission rules of order during public comment, neither police or DPA personnel nor commissioners are required to respond to questions by the public, but may provide a brief response. Alternatively, you may submit public comment by emailing the secretary of the police commission at sfpd.commission.sfgov.org. Our written comments may be sent via U.S. Postal Service to the Public Safety Building located at 1245 3rd Street, San Francisco, California, 94158. If you would like to make public comment, please approach the podium. Uh, I hate this 
chance to talk, I guess. Uh, you know, I have a, I, I believe, like, you know, a crime is being committed against me, and I have no idea how to just say that out loud, you know, come up and see everybody and say that to your face. I believe a crime is being committed against me, and I can't help myself, you know. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I live on the corner of Grove and Laguna, and last a couple of weeks in the morning at about 4.35, uh, just cars come, you know, going really fast, going past the stop sign, and it wakes me up. So, you know, I live with my mom. I'm, I was homeless for a long time, um, and I'm kind of just pushed out to, you know, all the way to, 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 to in, into the curb, you know. That's the kind of guy I am. And I just have, I'm having a lot of hard, you know, I'm having a hard time understanding why. You know, so I think um, something bad is going on. I believe I'm being scammed. I, be, I think it's a scam. I think plain and simple, when you look at it, it's a scam. I'm, I'm being scammed, and I'm being hurt. I'm being hurt. And I, 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 know, I know people are watching, people know what's going on, and just pretend like nothing's going on, and this happens every day. I don't know when it's gonna stop. I don't know when it's gonna end, you know? So I think this is dangerous, it's very bad, because people are actually like now, you know, they, they don't, they've been doing it for a while, but they're, they're violent. People are touching me on the street. I can't pass, I can't pass by people, and I can't walk. So I'm in prison, is that, is that, I think that's imprisonment, right? If you can't walk down the street, somebody's holding you in imprisonment, right? So that's an assault, it's definitely an assault. I get assault maybe like 10, 15, 20, 30 times a day. You know, people touch you. You touch me, that's assault, right? So that's what happens. That's, what, that's what's going on. I don't understand why. Why? What's going on? You know, I, I've been living here my whole life, you know? So I don't, I don't get it. Why is this happening? You know, why? Why can't I just, you know, pick up and, you know, live? Why? I don't know. I don't know why, you know? So that's where we are. Okay? Thank you. Good evening. I like to use the overhead as usual. My name is Paulette Brown and I'm here concerning my son, Aubrey Abercasa, who was murdered August 14, 2006. Still today, his case isn't solved. This is June, July, and then August is coming up. I am, every, t every year, within a month or two months before the anniversary of his murder, I start feeling some type of way. My feelings start coming back. Even when I look at my children that I have now that's left, which I'm glad that they're here and they're not laying in a grave somewhere, but it comes back up about my, my handsome young boy with the beautiful smile. He existed. He's still my child even though he's dis murdered. He's still my baby. I still feel him, I still remember things about him. I just don't want his case, even though it's a cold case, I wanna keep it alive in people's eyes, in the system's eyes, that we still grieve, we still hurt for our children. I still hurt, even mothers and fathers are still hurting. I deal with his father all the time. He doesn't act like he's hurting, but I know he does. These are all the people that was involved with murdering my child. I'm not gonna read their names. I have much time. I show these pictures because I want them to know this is what I feel. I talk with my words, but I want them to see. And it's just not for you. It's just for SSGov's television to see it. And those mothers that are out there that may be watching this, 
No one wants their parents to stand over a casket. These are all the unsolved homicides that have not been solved. How do we solve these unsolved homicides? I'm not standing here each time just to, I don't know. Thank you. Again, uh, Thierry uh, Fidelia. So I was prepared to to say a big uh, thing, but I'm not ready. I think it's a bit. We have to make sure. I think. Again, I'm going to repeat the idea of responsibility. You know, critical thinking. But so, remember something, please. Uh, emotional disorder is contagious. So we are dealing with a push from a tiny fraction of humanity. Let's face it. They are dealing with an emotional disorder. It gives them this delusion of grandeur, you see? It's totally out of control. We have to control this. That's going to be the solution. We are dealing with sick people. So we know better, but make sure their ways is not, haven't infected you. It's serious, it's getting very, uh, you're gonna lose your jobs. It's gonna be robots. So pay attention, really, it's now. We don't have much time, just, okay, I'll be back to say more. I think we have the solution to address these guys as for what they are, they are sick. We are not, hopefully, yet. So, have a nice night. Pick up images or no? Okay. Um, we're approaching 800 deaths by the end of the year owing to intentional and unintentional consumption of fentanyl now laced in many uh, drugs. Bait and switch denies consumers' consent. San Francisco, now a drug uh, tourist destination, has become a fatal tourist trap. Our nonprofits hand out needles, drug dealers distribute uh, products containing fentanyl. Recall that 900 San Franciscans lost their lives in a single year when cups were uh, distributed uh, containing flavor aid laced with cyanide. We lost, yeah, 900 people. Now we're approaching 800 uh, by this year's end. Um, out of 1,900 recent uh, overdose fatalities, how few have just been uh, released from custody and of the 300 overdoses reversed in safe injection sites, what fraction or percentage are now among the dead. Drug dealers may increase fatalities in retaliation for increased uh, patrols to skew data or to prove arguments against increased arrests. So yeah, they can work to skew the numbers if they like. And then that kind of bolsters or helps prove the point of some of the supervisors who say that uh, arresting um, drug users results in increased fatalities. So that image is actually of Jonestown and that's a portion of the 900 dead to get an idea of what that looks like. Thanks.
President Linus, that is the end of public comment. Line item three, consent calendar, receive and file action, DPA monthly statistical report, March and April 2023. Move to approve. I'll second. Sergeant. Members of the public that would like to make public comment regarding line item three, consent calendar, please approach the podium. And there is no public comment. Commissioner Walker, on the motion, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Walker is yes. Commissioner Yanez? Yes. Commissioner Yanez is yes. Commissioner Byrne? Yes. Commissioner Byrne is yes. Vice President Carter-Overstone? Yes. Vice President Carter-Overstone is yes. And President Lias? Yes. President Lias is yes. You have five yeses. Next item. Line item four, Chief's Report Discussion. Weekly crime trends and public safety concerns. Provide an overview of offenses, incidents, or events occurring in San Francisco having an impact on public safety. Commission discussion on unplanned events and activities that Chief describes will be limited to determining whether to calendar for a future meeting. Chief Scott. Thank you, Sergeant Youngblood. Uh, good evening, President Elias, Vice President Carter Overstone, Commission, uh, Executive Director Henderson, and public. I'll start this week's Chief's report with major incidents as we had uh, a major incident over the weekend, and that was the uh, shooting at the Embarcadero uh, in, in the area of P Pier 39. Um, this happened at uh, about 6.53 p.m or 6.49 p.m. actually on June 18th, um, th this past Father's Day actually on Sunday. A car-to-car -car shooting between the occupants of two vehicles resulted in two victims sustaining gunshot wounds. Three victims were injured by shattered glass and one victim was injured, which was a 10-year-old, when hit by a vehicle. Uh, also, the 10-year-old's 16-year-old uh, sister was also struck, but, but not uh, no injuries requiring uh, transportation to the hospital were sustained. So this shooting started at uh, Stockton and Beach. The incident started at Stockton and Beach. And what we know at this point is that there was some type of dispute between the occupants of the two victims, I mean the two vehicles, that resulted in an exchange of gunfire. And that incident then traveled uh, toward Pier 39 and then south on the Embarcadero traveled for almost a mile and a half and ended at Howard Street in the Embarcadero. Um, numerous shots were fired during this mile-plus car-to-car uh, -car incident. And as I said, there were uh, a total of, outside of the victims that were shot, there were a total of uh, four people that were injured and then the other girl that was hit but not, not transported. This was a horrific incident. Our officers got there in about four minutes and um, there were numerous calls that came in. Uh, paramedics and medics also got there and finally located the victim. And this uh, resulted in the two individuals who were transported, who we believed were involved with this incident. One of those individuals, the male, has been actually booked in absentia for an outstanding uh, felony warrant, weapons related and also for uh, reckless discharge of a firearm. So that investigation is still open and ongoing. There's a lot of video out there that our investigators are trying to go through, comb through, to put together the exact picture of what happened. We do think that we've made some very positive progress on this case, but that's about all I can report at this point. Uh, luckily, nobody was, was killed in this incident because it was horrific. 
a lot of people out. Pier 39 is, as we all know, is a very popular destination for both our city residents and people who visit our city. So we were very fortunate that this was not worse than what it, what it could have been. A uh, couple of other uh, incidents that happened. There was also a very significant shooting in the Tenderloin at the unit block of Turk on June 13th at 1.37 a.m. This resulted in a death, a homicide. Officers responded to a shooting and found the victim lying on the sidewalk. The officers rendered aid and, uh, until the victim, who was to the victim, who was transported to the hospital, where the victim uh, later succumbed to his injuries. No arrests have been made, but again, our investigators are working hard on this case, um, making some progress, and we will keep the public and the commission posted on the results of that investigation as as we get them. There were four shooting incidents this week, resulting in four victims and two. Uh, unknown victims. I just reported on one. There was another shooting in the 500 block of Turk. Uh, numerous subjects were involved in a physical altercation and during the fight one victim was stabbed and left the scene. That person collapsed on the 200 block of Leavenworth. Shortly after, a second victim was shot on the 500 block of Ellis. Witnesses flagged down a tenderloin patrol unit who summoned an ambulance. Uh, the call for, for the stabbing victim was then received and officers responded and located that person. That is still under investigation. No arrest made yet on that particular incident. There was another incident at McAllister at Hyde at 6.14 at 11.35 p.m. Officers responded to the San Francisco General Hospital for a call of a self-transported gunshot victim. The driver was detained for, and was interviewed by the sheriffs but the location of the shooting has not yet been determined. So no arrest has been made on that incident yet. Um, on Polk and Post at 3.38 a.m. June 17th, officers responded to several calls of shots fired and found uh, people who called reported that two victims were lying in the street and possibly had gunshot wounds. On scene, officers did not locate any victims and a search of local hospitals were negative. So we have not verified that anybody was shot from that incident. We did, however, uh, recover multiple rounds uh, in various caliber expended casings, rather, from the scene. Officers located several witnesses but have not been able to locate any shooting victims or suspects from this incident as of yet. That investigation is ongoing. A couple of uh, other significant incidents. We had a significant arrest. Um, this was an aggravated assault, hate crimes, incident and arrest, and a commercial robbery. This occurred on June 10th at 5.55 p.m. in the 1200 block of Thomas Street. Two subjects entered a towing business and confronted two victims, the owner and a customer, who were in the middle of a transaction involving, involving selling of a vehicle. The subjects ordered the victim to the, to the ground at gunpoint and kicked the victims multiple times. There was about $2,000 on the counter when the subjects grabbed the money and fled from the scene in two separate vehicles. San Francisco Police Department officers attempted to stop both vehicles as they, as they fled in different directions. Officers located one vehicle, which was abandoned. However, witnesses directed the officers to one of the subjects who had changed their clothing, and officers also located items used during the robbery inside the vehicle. The subject was then arrested, and the subject and vehicle uh, one subject and another vehicle still remain outstanding. So good uh, effort on behalf of those officers, but we still have work to do on that one. Um, 
I will wrap this up with just a recap of our efforts in the Tenderloin. This past week, officers seized 341 grams of fentanyl. To date, we seized uh, 61,790 grams of fentanyl uh, in 24 weeks. That's an increase of 158, almost 159 percent compared to seizures from this time last year. Total narcotics seized to date, that includes all different types of narcotics, is 95,426 grams. That's an increase of 148 percent over this time last year. Um, in terms of arrests for possession of sales, we have 390 uh, individuals arrested. Uh, we, we had 566 for the totality of 2022. So going at the pace we're going, we will uh, greatly exceed that. And most of the arrests involve the sales of fentanyl. In terms of the other effort to curb some of the street usage, there have been 62 arrests. Um, and of those, four people have identified or were identified as being from the city of San Francisco. So that trend continues as well. Um, this California Highway Patrol did release their statistics that I um, made sure that all the commissioners received. And uh, just for the public, that included 20, uh, 92 total arrests, 21 felonies, 71 misdemeanors, 18 uh, driving under the influence arrests, six drug recognition expert evaluations, seven non-fentanyl-related arrests, 19 fentanyl-related drug arrests, uh, 625 citations, 102 vehicles stored or impounded, 41 stolen vehicles recovered, one ghost gun recovered, and a recovery of 4,228 uh, grams of fentanyl, 957 grams of methamphetamine, and 219 grams of cocaine, 31 grams of heroin, 8,639 grams of cannabis and 169.7 grams of various pills. And this uh, was the official statistics released by the governor's office of the state of California. So I will uh, update the commission and the public when we get the next release of statistics. And uh, the last thing, just general crime trends. Our homicides, we are uh, actually one above where we were this time last year, 23 as compared to 22. Our total violent crimes, we are up 3%. Our total property crimes, we are down 6%. And that is a 5% reduction in total serious or part one crime. Uh, clearance rate for homicides year to date is 91%. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Chief. Um, I was wondering, is the department doing anything or making any efforts to um, address the four shootings that have happened this week or the uptake in shootings? Uh, the shootings this week, we definitely believe that the, uh, yes, we are. First of all, the investigation of those shootings is intense and ongoing. Um, there are, um, there were other shootings, uh, three other shootings. Two of the three, we believe, are related. Um, those were two shootings where we have not been able to determine where they actually happened or whether they even happened in the city, but we do believe they're related based on what we know now. Um, and, and then the, there was a shooting on a freeway, which the California Highway Patrol is handling, even though it occurred in the city, it's their jurisdiction. Uh, we will assist if requested on that particular shooting. And then the homicide in the Tenderloin, which uh, we believe well, can't disclose the motive that we believe at this point, but we've made some really good progress in that case, and we do believe that uh, we're going in a really good direction in that case. 
overall, these shootings appear not to have been uh, group or gang related, at least the ones that we know about this week. Um, and so there is no connection except for the one that I mentioned that we believe is related. And that one we don't believe is a gang related shooting as well at this point, based on what we have at this point. So part of our strategies, I mean, being that these are isolated incidents, like the Embarcadero, definitely helps to have coverage. So we have readjusted our patrol strategies to at least up the coverage where we can in the Embarcadero. The shooting from the Mission District last week also, even though that person of interest has been taken into custody, that investigation is ongoing. Um, we don't have any indication that we're going to have any retaliatory shootings at this point, but you never know, so we can never say never on that. A lot of this is, you know, getting out with the community, making sure they have the latest information. Um, presence helps when these things happen because people feel uncertain and they are upsetting when you have a shooting in your neighborhood. So definitely the presence helps and the community engagement helps. In terms of our overall shooting strategy, that has not changed. And really that is geared on identifying the people most at risk, which we have done a good job of and making sure that we try to get to those individuals and their families before they get involved. So that effort is ongoing. We are significantly above where we were last year in terms of that type of engagement, trying to invite uh, the people that we believe are at risk into our community safety meetings. Um, and that's going to be an ongoing strategy because we do, we know what we know in terms of the people in the city that are most at risk. So that's really the crux of our strategy to deal with that issue because that's the bulk of our shootings year in and year, year out. Thank you, President Elias. Um, a couple questions. Uh, Chief, so the Mission Street shooting, you believe that to be gang related? We believe that the person of interest uh, does have some affiliations. Uh, that does not necessarily mean that it was motivated by any gang related circumstances, but that person of interest does have affiliations. Just let me say this to, to be clear. There is more work to be done on that case. There's evidence that um, we have discovered that needs further work and further analysis, but there's no indication right now that it was motivated by, by gains. I, I understand your distinction. Um, as regards the, uh, the shooting over at um, Pier 39, is that gang related? We don't have any indications that that is gang related right now uh, at all. And one of the individuals is under arrest and the other, the other person is in the hospital still? I believe that person has been released, but uh, they have not been placed under arrest yet. There's still a lot of investigation to do. So one of the people that was, that was in the, the black sedan, for lack of a better word, has been arrested by San Francisco police. Yes, the person in the black is SUV was uh, booked in absentia by our department. Um, and, and the other person was released. The other person was. He was in the, he was in the black sedan as well. It was a it was a it was a lady as she, but that person has not been arrested. Okay, and and finally, um, as regards um, the MOU with the district attorney's office. Is there any update on that? Uh, the current MOU is still in place and uh, just you know, still work. We 
we have, well, we're done with as far as MOU, and that's been given to the commission and it was posted publicly. So um, it's a matter of agendizing that. We still are um, not to the final conclusion with the with the DPA, DPA MOU. But you've given the um, MOU to the police commission. Yes, the the, the DA MOU. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, President Elias. Uh, Chief, thanks for the report. I uh, just wanted to confirm for the, the team, uh, the pilot team in the Tenderloin that's meant to arrest drug users, is that still eight officers and one sergeant? It's still eight um, officers and a sergeant, yes. And are there any plans to expand it or? We will expand to do um, more on in the, in the night hours because it's, we have some significant challenges at nighttime. But that has not happened yet, but we do plan to do that. And, and can you say what that might look like? I don't have a number right now. I mean, a lot of this is going to balance other needs in the department, but we, we will expand it. But as we figure out exactly how, how big that unit can be, I will definitely let you all know. Thank you. Um, wanted to ask you about the CHP, um, it was publicly reported that last week that the CHP is making pretext stops uh, to, in the Tenderloin at least. Um, what, were, were you aware of this? Oh, well, I d definitely saw that report. I believe the commissioner and everybody that I talked to in CHP has a different, differing opinion than what was reported. Uh, and what they have said from the start is they do not do pretext stops. They do, they do conduct um, stops for traffic enforcement, including equipment violations, but um, they do not do that for the purposes of some other investigation. Their PR officer likened it to phishing. I'm sorry? Their PR person, their public information officer for the CHP at least the Chronicle reported, liking the stops to fishing, fishing for criminals. Yeah, when you make an equipment stop, seems like that's, a, that's kind of the definition of a pretext stop. But you're saying the Chronicle got it wrong? Well, uh, what I'm saying is my conversations with the commissioner, with the captain who commands that detail, as well as the San Francisco uh, CHP office, does not agree and share that opinion. So I can't say what the PR person told the Chronicle. I wasn't in that. In that conversation, I read the paper just like everybody else does, but can't validate whether or not that I can tell you what the commissioner told me. Okay, thank you. That's everything for me. Thank you. Thank you, President Elias. Um, <clears throat> I just had a couple questions about, uh, my understanding is that there were, I mean, there are different numbers. I think you just mentioned 91, 53 citations is what I read somewhere, but, uh, but that, Regardless of what the actual number is, uh, no one has accepted treatment upon being uh, offered that upon release, right? Not yet. And um, do we plan to continue with the strategy um, even though it is pretty clear that we're not going to be able to compel people into treatment considering the lack of results so far? Yeah, yes, we do plan to continue the strategy, and you know, I'm hopeful that that changes. I, I just 
want to make sure that you know, the public understands and the commission understands that we're not confusing, you know, health addiction addiction services from you know the, the criminal justice part of this. You know, they, there should be you know a connection as far as the offer of services, but they are two separate and distinct things. You know, we we are trying to really impact and hopefully change some of the culture on the streets where people just use openly and. Um, the one tool that we do have to do that, uh, you know, we always have engaged with folks that do that, but we haven't really gone past that. You know, we cited in the past, but we haven't been able to try to get people off the streets. And really, the, the overall goal is to try to get people to help. You know, and hopefully they will eventually, some of them, or if not as many as possible, will take up take up that offer. But so far, that's been zero. And you know, we're going to continue to try to plug away at this strategy and see if that can make a difference on the streets and hopefully it can make a difference on the back end. Maybe some people will accept the services uh, or accept whatever it is offered to them when they're in custody and when they are released from custody. My understanding is that there's a second offer of where they can get help and hopefully they'll take advantage. And I remember last week you mentioned uh, the LEAD program. Is there any uh, possibility of, of uh, Re, I guess, opening or revisiting uh, that possibility of providing that as an alternative to detention in lieu of an arrest and booking and citations? It's not in the budget as far as this year uh, in any of the budgets. And that, you know, when we did the pilot, the police department didn't ask for or receive any additional funding. We just, you know, used the resources we had to do the part of that program that that we were responsible for, but the other agencies did need, and uh, rightfully so, they asked for it and, and needed some funding. So as far as I know, those other participating agencies uh, have not requested. Um, it's, it's not on the table right now. Definitely, uh, we're open to it. I thought that LEAD has some value to do some of what we're trying to do, and hopefully we can revisit that. Great. Um, last question around the in, some of the reports around the incidents in the TL with CHP. I understand that there were um, guns drawn at some point. Do these conversations um, in a debrief session in the coordination elements or stages of, of the conversation or in the debrief um, stages of the conversation, are, are there um, suggestions coming from our department about how those efforts from CHP, from external uh, parties, um, impact uh, the perception of policing in San Francisco and how that's going to have an impact on our department. Yeah, we haven't had any um, incidents that have risen to the level of debrief. I mean, I think overall the effectiveness of the program, and it's not just the statistics that I just read off, but you know, overall, I think over time we'll be able to see if this having an impact on what it's aimed for, which is really helping to disrupt the, these drug markets and. I think time will tell whether that is a factor, and some of it is seeing a difference on the streets. I, I can say this, though, because I have gotten a lot of community feedback, and um, I, I have not yet received negative feedback about how the CHP is operating. Uh, and I, I've been to several community meetings in the Tenderloin and Soma since this initiative started with the CHP, and I hadn't gotten any negative. But we have not had an incident together that required a tactical debrief. So. Um, if definitely those conversations should always be happening and what what I do know is I 
answered um, Vice President Carter Overstone is what my conversations with the commissioner and the leadership here in the San Francisco office has been. And they have their own policies, but they do understand, uh, fully understand that, you know, this needs to be done the right way. Um, and just for the sake of clarity, are there new services being offered in detention for folks that are being uh, arrested for public consumption? I don't know if they're new. Uh, the services that, well, I don't believe that they're new. The services that are, have been available and made available are, are still the same services as far as I know. Um, there are addiction services across the city and, and uh, some of our CBOs that we work with that have provided those services, those are still in existence. And I don't believe there's anything new at this point, um, but they're offering what the city has made available for quite some time, but they're really trying to focus on making sure that the people, particularly if they've been arrested, um, that they get at least a, a, an opportunity to partake in those services. Got it. Okay. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Thank you, President Elias. Um, yeah, I'm the the issue of the treatment. I know that we have uh, when we did our resolution around supportive support of the heart recommendations, the um, or the CART recommendations. Um, we also included making sure we were aimed at the heart, which is the Public Health Department of Emergency Services. I know you all are discussing that um, handoff, as it were. Um, is are the services available when you're in the conversation with the person arrested? Are are people there ready to take people to a different area, like if they want to go to treatment or whatever? Um, are are is it working? Assuming people would say yes, are there people there to transport? Are there so are this the partners? The, is a partnership yeah. working, I suppose? What we are doing now, when we get to the point where officers, most of the folks that are arrested have been arrested for under the influence, and that has entailed a couple of things, either somebody actually using when officers mm -hmm. you know, come up on yeah. them, and or um, in a state where they're not doing well. Yeah. You know, we see yeah. people kind of, you know, slumped over, that type of thing. So. Um, in this last week, we had you know at least one situation where Narcan had to be used to reverse the, the condition the person was in. But to answer your question, at this phase of the operation, I do understand and know that you know DPH is out with their street medicine and all that. Um, they are out and, and trying to engage with while we're doing what we do. Huh? This is a little bit different from what we have tried in the past in terms of we are either citing or, or booking in some situations. And then the service or services are offered when they get booked or when they get cited or and or when they re are released. And so, so far nobody has taken, taken that, that offer as far as my understanding. That's up to date. And I, as, as I understand, it was something about 8% of the those arrested were local. Is that what, is that the number on this current? It's le probably less than that. Less than I mean, that? it's um, as of today, this afternoon. I think there were four people who 
either identified that they were from San Francisco or their records identified that they were from San Francisco. I had an address in San Francisco. I think there were four unknowns and then uh, 54 people from out of the city, some out of state, one or two out of country, but most of them were um, either out of city or out of state. Um, and then I have a question about that tow yard robbery. Um, it seems like a situation that might occur a lot. Does it, do you think that people are sort of aware of the activity at that location that it might, you know, like it's sometimes we've seen um, these type of robberies happened around posting online for car sales and somebody shows up and, you know, because they are aware of it. So was it a crime? It was a, just an arbitrary thing that happened as a result of them being there? Do you know if there was planning around it? Yeah, I don't know if there was planning around it, but I, I do agree we have seen some of those um, robberies where yeah. people are showing up to buy a car or some other uh, purchase that requires significant amounts of cash and then yeah. they get robbed. So we have seen those. I don't know. Um, I don't know that that was the case on this one, and I, I will follow up. But I don't. I don't have that answer in in the briefing that I have. But I will follow up. But that is that is a thing, though. That, yeah. that we do see. Yep. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Members of the public, they'd like to make public comment regarding line item four, the chief's report. Please approach the podium. Yes. Good evening again. Um, I just want to report back on the article that was published October 19, 2022, uh, about, about um, $0 being paid out for homicides nearly a decade. And um, I was bringing back up that maybe, again, if you hired someone that's supposed to be um, managing this so that they can find other ways to pay tipsters, you know, whether they, whether they have criminal records or not, or whether they're involved with the crime, finding some way to, to uh, pay them so that they can, um, that the cases can be solved. I just heard the chief talking about the, the Mission Street and the, all of those, uh, the Fisherman's Wharf down there. There's people that saw that and they want to come forth. Money talks. It does talk. It will help. If you can pay some tipsters to, even if they're unsolved, like my son, there's a $250,000 reward sitting right here in our faces. Where's this money at? Where is it? How come tipsters aren't being paid? What bank is it in? What bank is it? Can I, can go, can I go talk to them? Can I talk to someone about finding ways, other ways to pay tipsters to find out about unsolved homicides. I come here and asking this all the time. Someone can do something. Hire somebody. I'm tired of being pacified. I want to find other ways to have tipsters. My son's anniversary is, of his murder is coming up next month. It'll, I mean, in a couple of months. It's been 17 years. 17 years. No one wants to go through this. I'm tired.
President Lyons, that is the end of public comment. Line item five, DPA director's report, discussion. Report on recent DPA activities and announcements. Commission discussion will be limited to determining whether to calendar any of the issues raised for a future commission meeting. Executive Director Henderson. Thank you. It's award-winning Director Henderson. Just multi, multi yeah. Uh, I'll keep my uh, report brief this week. Uh, again, all of the fuller details from our report have been published and are online. Uh, DPA has opened 346 cases so far this year, and we have 265 cases that are currently pending. We've sustained 29 cases, uh, and we mediated 14 cases. We have 21 cases uh, whose investigations have gone beyond the nine-month investigation period, and of those 21 cases, 19 of those cases are told with criminal or civil cases that are pending. Uh, with outstanding uh, decisions waiting, we have six cases that are waiting for commission decisions, and we have 88 cases that are outstanding waiting for uh, chief decisions. In terms of the weekly trends, uh, this week, the number one allegation with 21% of the cases were for uh, allegations of an officer failing to take required action. Uh, and the two highest stations, there were two this year with three cases each, both Central and Park uh, had the most allegations from this week. Uh, in terms of, uh, I don't have uh, updates for outreach or audit, we've been very busy this week uh, with the intern program. I'll continue to give you periodic updates on the things that they're doing. Um, we have no cases, um, well, actually we have two administrative cases that are in closed session this evening. Uh, present in the courtroom today, our hearing room with us is Chris Chisnall, senior investigator, and also uh, Janelle Kaywood, who is our director of policy. I think that's it that's here today. Uh, for folks that are interested in contacting DPA, the website is sfgov.org forward slash DPA. The phone number is 415-241-7711. Uh, we have uh, cases that are on the consent calendar. I think we've already approved them. That information can be found online. Uh, I promised the commission that I was going to return with a summary of the things that we talked about from last week. I'm still working on that, but I'm going to give that to you. That's just the new agreement with the department about publishing the last week's discussion items. I'm working on it and we'll pull it, put it together, but I want to give them to the chief before I just present it here. Thank you, Director Anderson. Did, you, did I miss, have we made any progress on the chief's hearings? Has there been any? No. Okay. I mean, the numbers are the same. Is that what you that's mean? Okay, or? that's what I thought. Okay. All right. Sergeant? Members of the public that would like to make public comment regarding line item five, the DPA director's report, please approach the podium. Then I'm going to say good night. It was, it was more about the uh, shift's reports, but uh, maybe I think it, it, is, it has become... Uh, uh, critical to uh, understand when lines are, are being blurred. It's, it's to redefine, okay, what, a, what is a police officer, for example? Go back to the basics. Because there is a blurring of lines. You know, I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't think it's your 
role to wear or LGBTQ, whatever. No matter what, it's not. It's not. It's the same. You don't have to. Uh, you are not a doctor. Uh, see, so people are, you know, have problem with drugs and everything. So it's not your job, I think. Redefine because the blurring of the lines here. We are getting in total confusion. That's no good. I think it's clear. <laughs> it's so clear. And there is a limit in time here. It's now. Okay, thanks. President Lai says the end of public comment. Thank you, next time. Line on six, commission reports, discussion and possible action. Commission reports will be limited to a brief description of activities and announcements. Commission discussion will be limited to determining whether to calendar any of the issues raised for a future commission meeting. Commission president's report, commissioner's reports, and commission announcements and schedule of items identified for consideration at a future commission meeting. Vice President. Thank you, Commissioner Elias. Just a quick one for me. Yesterday we had it working group meeting for DGO 810, uh, First Amendment surveillance activities. That was scheduled to be the last working group, although there seemed to be a unanimous consent that we needed at least one more. So it will be back by popular demand in two weeks for what should be our final uh, working group on that policy. Thank you, Commissioner Walker. Thank you, President Elias. Um, a couple of things. Um, one is that I um, have been having ongoing uh, discussions with some uh, community folks and um, department folks about the patrol specials program. We're hoping to be able to present to the commission next month just to get an idea about where the commission stands. And I really appreciate the efforts on behalf of the department to engage in that conversation. I think it, I mean, it may be helpful in some of the issues that we're talking about, about uh, the different roles out on the street. Um, and the other thing, and I recommend this for all the commissioners if you haven't gone, is I, I had a wonderful tour of the crime lab, um, very new building. I think it was finished just before COVID. Um, really amazing and interesting. I want to thank uh, Director Powell for uh, meeting me there and, and showing me around. Um, it's really interesting and very impressive. Um, and I just, I would like to sort of introduce this topic because I brought it up to um, Director Powell and had also discussed at an event with, um, I can't remember the officer's name, I'm sorry, who, who is the uh, homicide investigative, the head of homicide investigations. Um, the issue of um, that's been brought up here a lot about how if it's possible to do um, a different type of reward for incidental information that may help um, investigations move along. Um, I have to say everybody thinks it's a really good idea, so maybe it's time to reach out to the city attorney to figure out what our restrictions are on that. If um, you know, now I think that they're described and defined by statute that it has to lead to a conviction of some sort. Um, but there is there is a need to encourage people to really share information that might not be so finite um, that could help a, an investigation along. So um, I'd like to 
look at that and see if it's possible. Great. Commissioner Yanis. Thank you, President Elias. Um, quick report. Um, I want to thank the chief uh, for putting together the uh, social, the investigative social media DGO draft um, and turning it around so quickly. Um, I already sense and feel that there are some improvements. Thank you for incorporating some of the feedback that was already provided. I think uh, sometimes uh, our, our tough conversations lead to better products. And I think this is gonna be one of those instances where we will walk away with a much improved policy around investigative social media. I do wanna request that um, we post it and, and since we're losing the first week in July, um, I'd like to postpone starting the clock until July 1st so that that way we make up that one week and we can get as much input from community as possible. Um, if that's okay with yourself and uh, President Elias, that is uh, something that would um, will allow us to, to expand the, the community input process. Um, and the other update I have, I, I did meet once again with some of the folks at the Community Assessment Referral Center. I'm still working on, on um, launching or preparing to launch our pre-booking program. And I do have one specific question for you, Chief. When we get to that point of uh, beginning to initiate the process, I know that this has already you know, been a process as taken place for over a year as far as trying to figure out what the uh, mechanics and logistics of a relationship with a community entity and the department to enact and, and, and initiate a pre-booking program. Um, are we prepared to devote the necessary resources as far as staffing um, to be able to begin that process once we get to that place uh, where we're ready to, to develop the policy and, and, and launch this program? Uh, Commissioner, yes, I believe we will be. We've had uh, some talks about what that would need to look like. And um, you know, as of now, we're dealing with, depending on what type of offenses that we include in, in, in this program, it's, it's a pretty small population of, of offenders, just based on the sites. Right. So I'm, I'm actually, uh, getting more data from uh, Chief Miller from juvenile probation so we can really know exactly at least the year to date and as much as she can provide so we have a good idea of what the volume looks like but right now it's a, it's a small universe so I do think that will allow us the ability to do what we need to do staffing wise to get this off the ground but we're still in we're still in discussions about what that will look like but we'll we'll, we'll be prepared um because I do intend to, as I mentioned last week, um, you know, put together a resolution uh, to, to initiate this process on behalf of our commission to ensure that the department does prioritize this effort. I feel like if we don't devote the energy and time and, and, and prioritize this, it will um, prolong the process, right? And I know that our community partners are very invested and interested in launching this. From my understanding, um, Chief Miller is in support of um, us going in this direction, so I'm, I'm hoping that those conversations um, continue to happen and that we can launch this uh, you know, as soon as possible. I think that the 60-day clock um, that President Elias had 
um, set last month will will come up, I think, mid-July. Is the department ready to present in mid-July on this uh, juvenile diversion update? We can present as far as where we are with it. Uh, I don't anticipate that we'll be launching in right. July. But, yeah, we can definitely present it in terms of what where we are in it in the process in mid-July. Um, and on another note, I, uh, you know, Considering, and, and I want to thank you and the department for the response this week, and I think that the coverage uh, demonstrated that the department, you know, responded within four minutes, I understand, under four minutes, and contained the situation. So I really, really um, want to send my, my, my appreciation to everyone involved with that. I know that you were up late at night, um, you know, making sure that communication was clarified and, and that the communication was contained. Um, and, and it kind of led me to start thinking about, at some point last year, we had a presentation about around community policing plans. And I really feel that considering the increase in, in shootings and gun violence this year and just incidents of violence in general, uh, it would be a great opportunity for us to have a presentation about what the community department, uh, community engagement division is doing to uh, create more relationships, whether it is to be able to work with community partners to get young people into services, to get people into treatment. I really want to get a sense of what is looking different and, and how we can use that department to really um, improve our outcomes and really improve our relationships with the various communities that we serve. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sergeant. Members of the public would like to make public comment regarding line item six, commission reports. Please approach the podium. And there is no public comment. Next item, please. Line item seven, discussion with San Francisco Police Officers Pride Alliance on SFPD's pride patches at the request of the commission. Discussion. Sergeant Winters. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, uh, Commissioner, uh, President Elias, Vice President Carter Overstone, members of the commission, Chief Scott, and Executive Director Henderson. Um, we got asked to kind of let you all know about the Pride Patch. I know some of the uh, members of the commission weren't on the commission when this was approved back in 2019. So I wanted to kind of give you all an overview of how the Pride Patch came about, um, the impact it's had both here and also around the country. Um, and also a little bit more about San Francisco Pride Alliance as well, who spearheaded this effort with the help and support of Chief Scott. So next slide. So Pride Alliance, um, the purpose of San Francisco Police Officers Pride Alliance, we're in a public employee group, we're not a union, um, but we advocate for our LGBTQ members. Um, anyone who knows you know, history knows that once upon a time, Someone like me, an, an out trans woman, a lesbian, couldn't serve openly in a department, much less get hired. Um, so advocating for members continuing to ensure that we um, are out there in the community and attracting members of our LGBTQ community to this profession, because I firmly believe that we need a very diverse police force in order to really effectively build relationships within the city. So that's part of the mission of the Pride Alliance. Um, we also work collaboratively with the department, go back, <laughs> uh, work collaboratively with the department on policies which impact the LGBTQ community. Um, over the years, some of those have been, you know, kind of our, the San Francisco Police Department led the way on our policy 
uh, around interacting with transgender and non-binary individuals. We still get, I still get inquiries from around the country, other departments that want to mirror our policy. Um, so it's that collaboration where we uh, can help guide policies that help ensure that policing is more equitable for LGBTQ folks in the city. Um, we also work with other PEG groups, such as Officers for Justice and the Asian Peace Officers Association. Again, going back to trying to advocate for our officers and recruit a diverse workforce. Uh, part of that collaboration, uh, just an example of it, is a few years ago, we actually, uh, all of the, uh, the PEG groups, as they're known, uh, met with the, uh, the director of DHR, because um, we had just some concerns and questions to really understand the EEO process. Um, if our members filed an EEO complaint, how that process went. Um, so collaboratively, we work with DHR to, to create a little bit more transparency in that process for our members. Um, and then we meet with the chief uh, monthly to discuss issues that affect our members or the LGBTQ community. Next slide. Uh, so the Pride Patch Project was initiated by Pride Alliance in 2019. Um, Officer Mike Batuya, uh, who's supposed to be here with us today, but unfortunately the Central District got quite busy tonight, so he had to, to stay and, uh, and help serve our city, um, help lead the effort. Um, it was support and championed by Chief Scott. Thank you, Chief. Um, and created not only a bridge to bridge the gap between the LGBT community and the SFPD, but also to directly benefit local LGBTQ uh, community organizations. Um, 2019, the commission approved the wearing of the patch. Thank you. Um, and we became the first law enforcement country in the nation to authorize officers to wear a pride patch during Pride Month. Um, so once again, SFPD really leading the way. Next slide. Um, the local impact of the Pride Patch project, um, since 2019, we've raised over $19,000, or we, we raised over $19,000 in our first year. So that was the first year alone. Um, and our inaugural beneficiary was Larkin Street Youth. Um, so we were able to present them with a check for $19,000 to directly help um, some of the most marginalized members of our community, our youth who, you know, kicked out on the street by their families, um, and come to San Francisco to find a chosen family, and Larkin Street Youth helps, helps them pick up those pieces and move forward, and so we were able to, to directly benefit them. Uh, program to date, we've raised over $30,000. Um, our most recent beneficiary was Castro Country Club, um, which is an organization that provides recovery services to LGBTQ members, uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, and then also, um, Pride Alliance was honored by the Board of Supervisors for this groundbreaking project. So national uh, impact, departments around the country have authorized the wearing of the Pride Patch. Um, it's increased awareness of LGBTQ uh, officers and law enforcement. Um, and departments around the country continue to view SFPD as a leader, not only around policy reform, but on our LGBTQ policies. They really serve as a framework for a lot of the departments. You know, if you look at some of these examples of patches, it's coast to coast, you know, East Coast, West Coast, you know, middle of the country, even Florida. There's departments in Florida that have uh, adopted pride patches. So, you know, I really see this as a huge benefit because when we're out on the streets, when we wear a pride patch, members of the LGBTQ community helps, it's a conversation starter a lot of times. People realize like, you know, they can be seen because 
a lot of folks don't realize that there are still cities and communities in this country where people from the LGBTQ community don't feel safe going to law enforcement. And where honestly there are communities where they're not safe going to law enforcement. Um, and when they come here, we want them to see that here in San Francisco, they are safe coming to us, that we are here to protect them, that we see them, we have members who can meet them where they're at, um, and the Pride Patch is part of that. Next one. Um, in the future of Pride Alliance, the last couple of years have kind of been exciting. Um, last year was the first year Pride, Pride Alliance partnered with the other public safety agencies in the city. Um, and we're continuing that, and we're going to expand our representation to the sheriffs and the fire department. Because um, we want to ensure, no matter what part of the public safety LGBTQ people in the city meet, that, they, um, that those departments are prepared to help them, whether it be policies, training. Uh, we want to ensure all public safety is on the same page when it comes to helping the LGBTQ community. Um, and also representing uh, LGBTQ members across all of those departments. So going into our new fiscal year next year, we're going to be working on bringing all the organizations together under one Pride Alliance umbrella. And so I just wanted to, to thank you from your LGBTQ safety members and the Pride Alliance board. Thank you for your support of the Pride Patch project. Um, the fact that we've been able to make such a significant impact some of our local organizations means a lot, means a lot to me, means a lot to our members. Well, thank you again for coming. Um, one of the things that I would ask is that you send us the link so we can post it on the commission site to get the merchandise and or donate to the cause. Yes. I think that'll be really important. I think actually I'm the only member of this commission that was here in 2019 to uh, be able to uh, get, get the patches and the shirt. And I think we also had to, we had to pass a res, um, modify the DGO in order to allow for the patch to be worn yeah. by officers. Because yeah, we had to modify the uniform standards and can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And that was great. Yeah. So make sure you give us the link so that we can get you, get people, spread the word and get people to donate to this amazing cause. Yeah. So thank you for coming. Thank uh, you. And I did bring swag. Commissioner Walker had asked that I bring some swag, so I did bring <laughs> some. <laughs> So if anybody wants to purchase anything tonight, uh, with the caveat, our shirts for this year got a little bit delayed, so they're gonna be here in a day or two. Any of you are gonna be out at the Pride Parade on Sunday, come by our contingent, we're number 53 or 54. We'll have our new shirts uh, at the event, which have the new Pride Alliance logo on the back, and then SFPD in the back in the Progress Pride colors. Cool, great. Did you? Or you already got your free stuff, you're done? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't know where I went. I, I, I oh, cleared you. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you for the work you do. I was just coming on board last year at this time, and um, we had um, a really um, emotional community conversation describing exactly what people have to go through. You know, we, the, um, the community here engaged in a conversation and you were amazing representing the LGBT um, folks in the, to, to march in the Pride Parade. And there was a discussion about it. And as a result, um, you marched. And you know, it's, it's the situation that 
um, a lot of us come here because we're not accepted in other places. And that was ex especially painful for a lot of us going through that conversation. So I just want to applaud you for the work you did on that. Um, and I want to applaud the, the Pride um, Foundation, the Pride Organization um, for really being inclusive and supporting our police, especially the Pride Alliance. So, um, and if you allow commissioners, I would be honored to join the Pride Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and thank you. Um, and yes, I do we, want swag. You definitely want yes. swag. Because <laughs> I'm marching. <laughs> and t-shirts. And t-shirt, yes, exactly. So thank you, uh, thank you, and thank you all for the work you do. And thank you, Chief, for being so supportive and the department. So we need our allies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Chief has been a tremendous ally. I understand, and I, you know, we really appreciate it. Chief. Thank you. I just wanted to also say thank you, uh, Sergeant Winters, who is uh, an extraordinary leader in this and other efforts. And then the, the board, the Pride Alliance board, both then and now, um, always really standing up for what's right and raising, elevating issues that need to be addressed. And also the community engagement component, you know, Commissioner Yanez spoke of that. Um, let's not under undersell that because you all do a tremendous amount of work. I mean, you help smooth things um, last year to allow us to, to, to march and to walk together in the parade, and that was uh, thanks to your work. So the community engagement, I just want to highlight that as well. I mean, I know this is about representation and inclusiveness and community and all that comes with that, but there's a lot of groundwork being done to really put this department in a better position in terms of the relationships. And that's in large part due to you all. So thank you, and thanks for your leadership. Thank you, Chief. Vice President Carter Herbstone. Thank you so much, Sergeant Winters, for the presentation. Uh, I, I was one of the commissioners who was not here uh, when the resolution was passed, so I, I appreciate the history and, and context, and just wanted to thank you so much for your service and for your work on this issue. I think the Pride Patch is an unmitigated good. Um, you raise money for an important cause, and it's a, it's a relatively small thing that sends a really big message, both, as you said, to officers and members within the department and also to the community about what the department's values are. So thank you so much, and I'm, I'm really glad that I got a chance to learn more about this today. Thank you, Vice President. Sergeant? <laughs> members of the public that would like to make public comment regarding line item seven, the Pride Alliance patch, please approach the podium. And there is no public comment. Next item, please. Line item eight, public comment on all matters pertaining to item 10 below closed session, including public comment on item nine, vote whether to hold item 10 in closed session. If you would like to make public comment, please approach the podium. And there is no public comment. Line item nine, vote on whether to hold item 10 in closed session, including a vote on whether to assert the attorney-client privilege with regards to item 10, San Francisco Administrative Code section 67.10, action. Can I get a motion? Vice President? Motion. I'll second. second. Thank you. On the motion, Commissioner Walker, how do you vote? Walker, yes. Commissioner Walker is yes. Commissioner Yanez? Yes. Commissioner Yanez is yes. Commissioner yes. Byrne? Yes. Commissioner Byrne is yes. Vice President Carter-Overstone? Yes. Vice President Carter-Overstone is yes. And President Elias? Yes. President Elias is yes. You have five yeses. We will go into closed session.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
and are in line item 11. Vote to elect whether to disclose any or all items on item 10 held in closed session, including a vote on whether to assert the attorney-client privilege, privilege with regards to item 10, San Francisco Administrative Code Section 67.12A. Action. Can I get a motion? Motion not to disclose. Second. On the motion, Commissioner Walker, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Walker is yes. Commissioner Yanez? Yes. Commissioner Yanez is yes. Commissioner Byrne? Yes. Commissioner Byrne is yes. Vice President Carter Oberstone? Yes. Vice President Carter Oberstone is yes. And President Elias? Yes. President Elias is yes. You have five yeses. Line item 12, adjournment. Uh, not even 8.30.